0: In our parish back in Chelmsford, we have a mothers and toddlers group, and the mothers and toddlers group meets on a Monday morning, and occasionally I go in and chat with some of the mums, and recently I was in the mothers and toddlers group, and one of the mums told me that at the weekend her daughter had asked the question that most parents dread. Her daughter had said to her, Mummy, where did I come from? And I said, well, how did you handle this? And she said, well, Father, I told her the truth. I told her that she was a gift from God, that God created her, that God made her, that God gave her to mummy and daddy, that she was a gift from God, and God has given her to us so that she came from God. And I said, well, that's a beautiful answer. And the mum said, oh, wait a minute, Father. She then went to ask her dad the same question. And the dad is a bit more cynical about life. And the little girl said to her, Daddy, Daddy, where do I come from? And Daddy said, well, originally we were monkeys swinging in trees. And then we grew from being monkeys and we became people. And that's how we developed. And a man called Darwin explained it all. So that's where we come from. Originally we were monkeys. So the little girl was left confused. So she went back to the source of all wisdom. She went back to her mum. And she said, Mummy, I don't understand. You said that I come from God but daddy says that I come from monkeys. I don't understand. And I said to the mum, well, how did you handle that question? And she said, oh father, that was an easy one to answer. I said to her, darling, I was talking about my side of the family and your father was talking about his side of the family. So now you know how to answer the question when it comes. But for us in our Christian journey, it's the wrong question. We don't have the question, where do I come from? The question for us, and especially this week, is about where am I going to? And St Paul reminds us that for all of us as Christians, our true home is in heaven. And that is essentially what this week is about. This parish mission, this time together, renewing our sense of the journey to eternal life. That our final destination, our final goal is to get to heaven. The salvation of our soul, allowing the saving grace found in Jesus Christ to lead us to heaven. That's what this mission is about and hopefully this week we can answer some questions together and tonight really is about well how do we get there? We know our true home is in heaven, well how do we get home? And the answer is found in the scripture reading we heard tonight from the Gospel of St. John. Because our Lord says to us, if you truly believe, you will find eternal life. And he questions Mary. He says to her, do you believe? Do you really believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe You are the Christ, the son of the living God. So this promise of eternal life rests on saying, I believe. In the 1960s, there was an American bishop who faced a huge problem with his seminary. He had staff and students leaving. The staff that remained refused to teach the Catholic faith. He had students who were ignorant of the truth, It was a terrible situation, it was a mess. It was a messy time in the church. And eventually, former priests and ex nuns started to picket the seminary with demands from the bishop. And of course, it became a nightmare. And so the bishop went to the seminary. And of course, as the bishop arrived, so did about a dozen cameras and film crews. And the media were there in this huge scrum. And so surrounding this poor bishop, as he got to his seminary, He was surrounded by these ex-nuns and ex-priests picketing the seminary, and surrounded by the media watching what he would do. And he was badgered to answer questions. And after being badgered by the media for about five minutes, he stood his ground, puffed out his chest, and said, I believe in God. And then recited the creed. What that brave bishop did, in the face of those who wanted to tear down rather than build up is what we have to do in our own lives. To have the courage to say to the world I believe, I believe in God. It's the answer that we have to give to the anger, to the apathy, to the doubt, the turmoil, to the persecution that the church faces in what can sometimes be the chaos and messiness of our own lives, even perhaps within the confines of a parish family, the answer God gives us is to join with the whole family of God around the world and have the courage to say, I believe. Because the Christian must always be a believer, one who converses with God. And if that's not the case... Then all our activities will be futile. The most lofty and the most important thing we can do for ourselves and for each other is to believe. Through faith we let God into the world and if God is not at work then whatever we do will never be enough. When people sense that there is one here who believes, who lives with God and from God, hope can become a reality in their lives. Through the faith of the Christian, doors open up all around for different people. And it's possible today that we're facing the biggest challenge of all, to have the courage to say in a world that doesn't even know that God might exist, to say, I believe. And all believing is a believing with. We don't believe in abstract. We don't come to believe out of nothing. Think about where you were inspired to believe. Think about what led you here tonight. Was it a book? Was it a newspaper? Was it a TV program? Or was it a person? Where were we inspired to believe? Normally, it should be from our parents or from our grandparents, but from somebody else, from a believer. Because belief is infectious, it's catching. And that's how we come to belief as well, through other believers. And that's our task in the world we live in, in the parish that God has given us. We're to be witnesses of belief. Pope Benedict said about priests that the first task of a priest is to be a believer to become ever anew and ever more, Faith is never simply automatic. It must be lived. It leads us into conversation with God, which involves speaking and listening to the same degree. Faith and prayer belong together. They cannot be separated. Time spent by a priest on prayer and listening to scripture is never time lost to pastoral work, because people sense whether the work and words of their priest spring from prayer or are fabricated at a desk people sense whether the person who believes whether it's from prayer or fabricated at a desk what Pope Benedict says about priests he can say of each one of us people can sense whether our belief is true or false If our hearts don't belong to Christ, then people will know it. In a parish community, even more so. We need to know that we're all on the same page, that we're all believers together. Yes, we might have questions and concerns. Yes, there may be worries that sometimes might seem to overwhelm us. But Christian life only works if we have the courage to believe. And so when we believe, we have to remember that we are believing in a person. Now it sounds odd for us to think about this, because we're all here tonight. You've come to church on a Monday night, spared some of your valuable and wonderful time to be here. So hopefully that kernel of belief is within you. But what we need to do above all is to develop our relationship with Jesus Christ. To believe in salvation through him and to give everything to him and remember that when we're praying when we're developing our faith we are talking to someone as Christians when we pray we don't just send up a prayer in the air and hope that it hits a target when we pray we're having a conversation we're talking to a person And we need to have a relationship with him. All of our recent popes have proposed as a solution to the problems of our age, friendship with Christ. And that's where things have to begin. When we look at the problems of the world, when we look perhaps even at problems within our Christian community, we have to first look in the mirror. And we have to look at our own relationship with Christ. We have to look at how we fit with him. Pope Benedict would often talk about the Jesus program. That the church can be reduced to Christ. That's why Pope Benedict wrote three books about the person of Christ. That we need to come to know him again. And that's what's going to anchor our life. In the problems of life, in the storms of life, as they can sweep over us, our anchor is friendship with Jesus Christ, to believe in him. And to do that, we need to have an adult faith, a faith that's not following the trends and fashions of latest novelties, but a mature faith rooted in friendship with Christ. A few years ago, a good friend of mine, a priest in America, a Norbertine priest, he was traveling between masses for Sunday Masses in different places, and he was diabetic, he is diabetic, and he blacked out as he was driving his car from one mass to another. And the car swerved off the road, went into a tree, and burst into flames. He suffered first-degree burns on most of his body. Now, any doctor or nurse will tell you that when someone suffers burns like that, they're screaming in agony. Naturally so. There is no pain that can even compare with first-degree burns. And yet, this good priest, as he was wheeled into the operation theatre to save his life, he said four words. And he kept repeating four words. He didn't scream, he didn't cry out, he just kept repeating four words. And as he was wheeled into the surgery, all he said was Jesus mercy, Mary help. Thanks be to God, he lived. Thanks be to God, the doctors and nurses worked miracles with God's hand. And the beautiful part of the story is that the two doctors and the three nurses that were treating him all became Catholics because of his belief? Because, in the midst of pain and torment, because in the midst of an agony that we can't even begin to understand, he believed. And in his belief, he could say, Jesus, mercy, Mary, help. Now, I should tell you about this priest. But he's a bit of an odd character really he can drink about a gallon of gin every day he's despite being diabetic i mean, maybe that's why he is diabetic he eats like a horse he swears like a trooper and he smokes like a chimney and yet he believes maybe not the perfect example of priesthood to some but certainly an example of a man who believes remember always that our Christian faith is not simply a collection of doctrines and ideas or a body of knowledge or even a system of beliefs. Christianity is rooted in Jesus Christ, in knowing him and loving him, in that relationship we have through him, through the sacraments, through the church, through scripture. If we truly seek him, we will always find him. But when we find him, when we find him, well, we need to be ready for the challenges that can come when we believe. I'd like to share another story with you as well to explain a little bit of what I'm saying. It's about a young man called Franz. Now Franz lived about 60 years ago in a small village in Austria. He was the illegitimate son of a farmer who later died in World War I. And so he never really knew his father. He became a wild teenager Local people in his village recalled that he was the first one to drive a motorbike. They recall that because he didn't drive it safely or under the speed limit. France was the leader of a local gang that used to fight rival gangs with knives and chains. He was a womaniser. France got a girl pregnant and he was forced to leave town. The rumour was that he went to work in an iron mine. For reasons nobody knows, France came back to his home village and he came back a changed man. He'd always gone to church, even in his wildest days, but when he returned, he was a serious Catholic, not just a Sunday Catholic. He started making payments to support the child he'd fathered. He married a good Catholic woman and settled down to become a good farmer, a good husband, and a good father, raising three more children and serving as a lay leader in his parish. The reason I mention him is I want to quote something Franz wrote in a letter to his godson. He said this, I can say from my own experience how painful life often is when one lives as a halfway Christian. It's more like being a vegetable than being alive. Pain of being a halfway Christian. And yet, for us as believers today, it's a temptation that is almost relentlessly put before us to accept being a halfway Christian, to lead, if you like, a double life, to be one person when we're in church and at prayer, to be able to boldly say, Yes, Lord, I believe, and then to be somebody different when we're with our friends or our family or at work or talking with others. Now, part of that temptation comes from normal social pressure. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to be seen as different. We're told to keep our religious beliefs to ourselves. There's that old adage that it's not polite to talk about religion or politics in good company. Well, that's rubbish. Absolute rubbish. We have to talk about our faith. We have to talk about our religion because it's the only thing that matters. And if we can't talk about what matters, well, what's the point in talking at all? Few things could be more important today than speaking about Jesus Christ. He's speaking about our faith, the meaning of life. Every day when we turn on the news, we see another horror story from around the world. Well, we have an answer to this. It's the love of God found in Jesus Christ. And we need to speak about it. And I know that's hard. I know it can be embarrassing. But God calls us to do this. And we can do it. None of us want to stick out. None of us want to be different. But if we say, I believe, then you're being different straight away. We can't lead a double life we we'll tear ourselves apart." The Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor calls the age we live in the first secular age. The point he's saying is that just a few centuries ago we lived in a world where it was virtually impossible not to believe in God, to the world we live in today where belief in God doesn't seem necessary or make any difference. Most of the men and women in the world today live out their whole lives not even thinking about God. And of course, in the society we live in, we're told that it's fine to believe, it's okay to believe, but don't let it interfere with your life. You can't interfere with public life. It's fine for you to have religious ideas and religious beliefs, but don't let it affect society. And if you think that we live in a free country for this, well I challenge you to go and stand at Chalkwell Station, or in the shops in Lee, and try to talk about our Christian faith. I'm not suggesting you do, because that's not always the best way to preach our faith. The best way to preach our faith is to live and believe. But if you did try to talk to people about our faith, you'd probably end up in trouble. And yet, The world desperately needs you. Leon C needs you. God needs you. And he needs you to believe. To welcome new people in life in Christ. Our culture today is one that cries out for love. And when it looks for love it looks for it in crazy places. And the craziness of all is that we've got the answer. And that answer is Jesus Christ the answer is our faith to proclaim what we believe to say yes Lord I believe you are the Son of God and remember always that Jesus didn't come down from heaven to tell us to go to church on Sunday Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the dead so that we pray more at home and be a little kinder to our neighbors the one thing even non-believers can see Is that the Gospels are not compromised documents. Jesus wants all of you, not just on Sundays, not just when you feel like it, but he wants us to love God and to love each other with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. It's a love that's total. And remember as well that Jesus doesn't look for your approval Nowhere in the Gospels does Jesus seek the approval of his followers. He says something simple to them. He says, follow me. Be a disciple of Christ. Follow him each day. And remember that being a follower of Jesus Christ is not just one of many aspects of our lives. Being a Christian is who you are. End of. Being a Christian means that your life is a mission, a permanent mission, one where we strive every day to become saints. Blessed Charles de Foucault said, God calls all the souls he has created to love him with their whole being. But he does not ask all souls to show their love by the same works, to climb to heaven by the same ladder, to achieve goodness in the same way. What sort of work then must I do? Which is my road to heaven? God expects big things from you. That's why he made you. But how do we live out this mission? How do we live out this life of knowing Christ, of sharing him with the world? Well, that will differ for each one of us. Each one of us will have been given a different mission by God each one of us has a definite purpose, to love God, to love our neighbor. And we need to talk to God humbly and honestly in prayer. When you talk to God in prayer, talk to him. Yes, our formal prayers are the basis of our prayer. But when you come into this church, when you spend time in quiet prayer, talk to him. Bring everything to him. Open up your lives to him. St. Alphonsus says that when we're talking with God, we should remember we are having a conversation. And that's how our prayer should be. Because we're talking to someone. And remember that Christ reveals himself to us in our daily lives. Jesus meets us on the way of life. And we find him again and again in the sacraments of the church, in our prayers, and in our encounter with God in scripture. All these things are part of living with Christ. And of course, one of the greatest ways that we experience Christ is in our parish community. So I would ask you to love your parish. To love your parish priest if you can. I'm sure that's an easy thing to do. To love each other. Love is the bedrock of our life in Christ and that's what we believe in above all. And so love your parish, love this place, love this church as your mother. Help her by building up your own life so that you become a beautiful adornment to this parish. We all get angry when we see human weakness and sin in the church. But we need to remember to look in the mirror and see that if there is any good it has to begin with us. If there is to be any change, any reform in in the church and in our lives it begins with each one of us. If we are to make the world a better place then we have to become better Christians. Only the truth can set us free and the truth is found in Jesus Christ. And if we truly believe this, then we can change the world. And so it's not possible then for us as Christians to lead a double life, our whole way of thinking and acting needs to be transformed by saying, I believe. Like our friend France, being a halfway Christian is like being a vegetable. It's not really living, it's not living one life or the other, it's barely existence. So let me tell you a bit more about young France. Germany, as we know, invaded Austria in 1938. Unlike most of his neighbors, young France refused to cooperate with the Nazis. He considered Hitler to be an enemy of Christ. For five years he waged a personal campaign of moral resistance, but finally he was arrested for refusing to enlist in the Nazi army. While waiting for sentence, many people, including his family and including his parish priest, urged him to pay lip service to the Nazis and thereby spare his life. But France wouldn't do it. So 66 summers ago, in 1943, France died on a Nazi guillotine. Today we remember him as Blessed Franz Jagerstatter, a martyr for the truth that a Catholic cannot lead a double life. There's no such thing as a halfway Christian. Imagine that. His own family, his own parish priest, trying to get him to lie, just so he could be rescued from the guillotine. But when he was dying, when he was preparing for death, he wrote a letter to his wife from prison, and it said this, If we hope to reach our goal someday, then we too must become heroes that the world needs. For as long as we fear men more than God, we will never make the great. He ended the letter by saying to his wife, the important thing is that we do not let a single day go by in vain without putting it to good use for eternity. And that's the heart of the matter. For anyone who wants to be a Christian. That's the path of life in Christ, to put every day to good use for eternity and the time to begin is now. So let us always strive to be friends with Christ. In this parish strive always to be friends with each other so that together we can know him and love him, to be his companions along the way so that one day we can be friends forever in heaven. To say with Mary in the gospel, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when we say, I believe, then we accept the challenge, the challenge to come closer to God, to believe in him each day. Now our faith and our belief need to be real. And I want to end tonight with a little story from when I was a priest in Manchester. And in Manchester we had a parishioner called Jimmy. Now Jimmy was a remarkable man. He never came to Mass, but he would always come at the end of Mass and he would stand at the altar rail and he'd have a conversation with the tabernacle. And it would always begin, hello Jesus, it's Jimmy here, every day. He'd come and stand at the altar rails. He'd talk to Jesus Christ in the tabernacle. And he'd say every day, Hello, Jesus, it's Jimmy. And he'd pour out what Jimmy had been up to that day and who'd been rude to him, who'd been nice to him. It would all be talked about. And he would loudly get on with this at the altar rail. Now, Jimmy was what we used to call a gentleman of the road. He didn't have anywhere to live, really. And this meant that he wandered around a lot. And one day I got a phone call telling me that Jimmy had been in a car crash and had died in hospital. Now the hospital he died in was in South Manchester. I was a priest in North Manchester. And I rang up the priest in the hospital to say thank you. Thank you for seeing Jimmy. Thank you for looking after him. And the priest told me something extraordinary. He said, did you know this man very well? I said, yes, I knew Jimmy very well. We saw him every day at church. And he said, well, Father, you're gonna think I'm crazy. You're going to think I'm mad. But something extraordinary happened when I gave him Holy Communion. And I said, well, what's that? And he said, well, I don't know how to tell you this. But as I opened the pigs to give him the Blessed Sacrament for the last time, I heard a voice say, hello, Jimmy, it's Jesus. That's belief. Because our faith is real. Our faith is true and we should never doubt that this faith we believe is a faith that will lead us to heaven and let us hope one day that the Lord says to each one of us hello it's Jesus glory be to the Father and to